There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into questions from the audience live from Jupiter, Florida. That's where the HomeLoanExpert.com studios are. My name is Tim McKernan. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim McKernan Show podcast as we are very grateful for uh, 15 years of our radio show, the Ryan Kelly Morning After Broadcasting from Cardinal Spring Training. And that is where uh, we are this week, and that is where I will be over the next six or seven weeks doing the program. We welcome you anytime to send in your emails for guest requests or for questions for questions from the audience or stories, as it's turned out to be. Maybe the, maybe the name of the podcast needs to change because I just really welcome whatever, and I'll read it, but it makes it sound like I'm looking for questions when in reality, eh, just kind of talking. Um, Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N, at InsideSTL.com. All of our sponsors making this possible. Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com, online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing a home, make sure you're doing business with someone who has been doing business with us for a decade, Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Even though I know it's cold in St. Louis at the moment, the weather starts warming up, people start looking to buy houses. Well, that is when you want to make sure you are ready to go with a pre-approval, and Ryan Kelly can take care of you with that, thehomeloanexpert.com. And refinancing, home values high, interest rates low, that's the time for you to take advantage of it and refinance with Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna is a financial advisor I don't hesitate to talk about here on the program because I've gotten to know Mark, and I know a number of our audience members have taken my advice and, and said, you know what, I will reach out. And then they do email me and say, man, after I talk to him, I understand what you're talking about. Evergreenstl.com is where you can find him. His name is Mark Hanna. The company is Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and if you would like, you can give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. He is my insurance agent, and that is why it is very easy for me to speak firsthand to my experience with James Carlton. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. When we've had issues, James was on top of it himself and then his incredible staff. And when we've missed a couple of things like insurance that we needed to send in, payments, He's like, hey, just so you know, you know, this payment's due, and they're on top of it for us. That's the difference. The staff, the service, and then the ability to save. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Design Air. Seth Goldcamp and his family have been taking care of St. Louisans since, oh, I'd say the early 1900s, which is an absolutely incredible thing. 
so many people in our audience now make sure that anytime they have any issues, if they need a new heater, if they're having issues with their heating, with their cooling, they know to go online at designairservice.com. They are the number one trained dealer in the Midwest. Seth Goldcamp is somebody that I know takes great pride in taking care of the audience of the Tim McKernan Show and great pride in taking care of the listeners, the Ryan Kelly morning after. So let them know where you heard about them. It's designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. We know, of course, it's hard to stop a train. Design Air, heating and cooling, a great sponsor of the podcast and of the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Support our sponsors. It's the only way these shows exist. Design Air, heating and cooling, online at designairservice.com. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit, online at landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. So, all kinds of things to uh, to discuss in addition to the questions that I have both on the fan page and also in the email inbox at tmckernan at insidestl.com. First off, um, I am recording this on Wednesday, February 12th, 2020, and I got up at around 4.30, 4 or 4.30 on Saturday morning. And my wife and I had been discussing how to get down here. And I said, I honestly think I would be open to driving. Now, it might sound crazy because it's about a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split the difference and say 17-hour drive. Some people have said 16, some have said 18. Um, I drove to South Bend, Indiana in September for a uh, family trip to Notre Dame, and I thought that was it. I'll never do this again. For whatever reason, and I don't really have a good answer, um, this was not that bad, and I'm alarmed by it, but I just have to be honest. That's that's how I would describe it. Um, I left St. Louis at around, well, I, I specifically remember looking at my clock when I was pulling out of my driveway, 6.36 Central Time, and I was in my hotel and made it all the way to Orlando, two hours away from Jupiter, um, at about, um, I'm going to call it 10.30, well, maybe 11 o'clock Central Time. Um, so had I not run into uh, some traffic, and I'm not sure what was going on in Chattanooga. A few people have uh, said, yeah, Chattanooga, for whatever reason, is... Is, is is brutal, even though you're going through Nashville and Atlanta and Orlando, for whatever reason, Chattanooga, Tennessee is becoming a famed issue for those who make these drives. But um, about an hour in, I thought to myself, oh my God, what have I done? I'm an hour out. I don't really care to turn around, but I still have 16, 17 hours to go. But the way that this worked, for any of you considering long drives, whether it be down to spring training or otherwise, for me now as a father um, of a two-year-old who may come busting into uh, my, uh, my office down here at any moment, um, having that time of just being alone, got to be honest with you, wasn't the worst thing. And then secondly... And this is what is different in 2020 versus 2010. And we've been, I've been coming down to Jupiter since 98. This, I mean, yes, of course, it would have been possible in 98. But here is why it was, relatively speaking, not bad. Podcasts. Podcasts. 
Um, if I would have been switching the station for a song I wanted to listen to or a show I wanted to listen to every five minutes or so, um, it would have been brutal. But because of podcasts, I could kind of settle in. I uh, got in cruise control, made sure not to speed the egregious speeding, I should note. But still, just kind of like, okay, you're riding my ass. Seem to be particularly angry and needing to go 95 miles an hour. Whatever, I'll just casually move on over. Sounds good. Uh, and I just hang out and listen. And I listen to Howard Stern interview Leslie Jones, formerly of Saturday Night Live. Um, I'd recommend that one. I listened to um, uh, Spittin' Chicklets Barstool Podcast with Jordan Bennington. That was outstanding. And they didn't really get going on the Bennington interview until about an hour in. And, and they're talking about, you know, all kinds of news and notes and just amusing observations in the NHL. And I'm just like, man, this is, this is why this thing is so successful. It's so damn good. Uh, in addition to the Bennington interview, uh, a couple of Rogan podcasts, one of which I didn't think was that great, um, was a guy who's an astronaut. Now I've forgotten his name, even though I had typed all of this out. Uh, didn't think that was that great. And then there was one kind of on the woke movement and a gentleman named Andrew Doyle, who is, uh, from, um, the UK and he has created like this satirical character on Twitter that nobody knew was him until recently. And just is your stereotypical in the bubble woke person, which the bubbles are the key. We spend a lot of time on the bubbles on this podcast. Uh, and whether you're in the Trump bubble or in the woke bubble, take your pick. If you're in the bubble, you have no idea what's going on outside the bubble. And so this character has become a whole thing. And that led to a great discussion that, uh, man, I think they might have gone, God, at least two and a half hours. And I loved it. The astronaut one, I was kind of like, oh, and I could tell Rogan wasn't into it. I have some, when I'm like in, in an interview, and they haven't happened often. But I'm 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 not all that engaged, or the person's kind of it's I've let it get away. I know what my tells are, because I of course hear them and I go, oh shit, I just said that again. And Rogan was doing some of those things, so I didn't particularly care for that one. God, I know I had another one. There's another one in there too that I listened to, and then um, I uh, began listening to the audio book of a very stable genius which I also would recommend. Um, it's, my wife got in the car last night, and, I, and it automatically starts playing because, I don't know, I'm six hours into it at this point, and still going, and so she didn't know what it was, and she hears like a little anecdote, and she started laughing, and she goes, is this like a parody? And I go, no, this is, this is real. This is sourced. Um, so also a recommendation um, for that. So that is, uh, that's how I got through it. And pro tip on the trip, uh, what, I guess about two or three hours. I don't remember what it was. You get to Mount Vernon, Illinois. It's gotta be less than three hours. Cause I think three hours you're in Paducah. And then in about four and a half, you're in Nashville. And then at about six and a half, you're in Chattanooga. And then about, and I went through on Saturday and at four o'clock too, kind of ballsy because everybody talks about Atlanta rush hour. And I remember as a kid when we would take these long drives, Atlanta rush hour was something you just do not want to deal with. And even on Saturday, 
it was uh, it might mean, wasn't nearly what it's like during the week, but still it was still uh, you know it's it's uh, it's an intense um, you know uh, getting through Atlanta. It's it's intense, and then then you have Macon, Georgia, which I think is about an hour south of Atlanta. And here is what became clear to me. So I'm getting through there at around four o'clock, only because Chattanooga um, backed up. And it was, that was intense, man. I mean, I realize it's not the Rocky Mountains, but there are mountains, Smoky Mountains, Appalachian, whatever the hell it is. I'm not sure. I just remember doing it as a kid. But uh, I-24 was backed up. And so Google rerouted me on like this up the mountain side road. And my wife was like, so it's like, there's a barrier. And then you're I'm like, no, it just dropped off. And then there was construction. And so you're waiting five minutes for the people on the other side to go with the stoplight. And then you have five minutes to go and they're waiting for you. And it's on the side of, again, I mean, it's, it's over the Tennessee river. It was, it was legit. So it took me, you know, I was making great time. So, you know, I'm in Atlanta at around four o'clock and I'm like, God, I got, I got, three or four more hours in me but what you don't realize and so this is kind of me taking you through the journey if you are ever going to make this asinine trip and whether it be to you know Jupiter Miami Orlando whatever um, that here is here is something that's very important and you can go on a map and see it and follow interstate 75 once you get past Macon Georgia there's really nothing until Gainesville Florida and Macon, Georgia is not southern Georgia. It's about an hour south of Atlanta, which is really kind of northern Georgia. I guess Macon would be considered central, I guess, maybe. Um, so you have all of Georgia to go. And then it's not like Gainesville's right across the border. So then you got, I don't know what it was, like an hour or so into Gainesville. Which, you know, of course, is the home of the University of Florida. But it's not like it's a huge city. But it's still, it's definitely a place you can stop. And so I was looking at hotels in Gainesville. I nerded out and I got off the highway. What was I on at that point? Still on 75. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, it's only a few minutes off the interstate. As a college football, just total dork. I'm going to drive. It's whatever at this point, 10 o'clock Eastern. But I want to see the swamp. So I get off and I drive over there. And it's just really kind of, it's, it's odd. You usually think of these SEC football stadiums in huge parking lots. And that is... That's not the case with the uh, swamp. Turn off your ringer, I should say. Um, let's see. Um, and um, so you have that. And, um, you know, it's a cool stadium. I think I would have been able to walk in it. But I was kind of like, I don't want to take the chance. But it didn't look like it was, like, gated up. Um but I could see, you know, you could see in there. So whatever, I did it. I don't know. It especially considering I've been on the road for like 13 hours, 14 hours. It's kind of an odd thing, but it's what I did. And I'm looking at hotels, and the hotels in Gainesville were actually more expensive than the hotels in Orlando, which struck me as strange. And Gainesville's about two hours, I think it was, from uh, Orlando. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. This is where I made a push. I'm going to enjoy a beverage real quick. This is where it was a push. And I wound up getting on the phone with my mom, and I just said, hey, can, let's keep talking just because it's at this point now I am, uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a spot where I, I shouldn't. Uh, now, I mean, I was fine, but I was just like, okay, this has gotten into a spot here, and I want to make sure that I, I'm okay. 
Uh, and so, uh, so I talk, I want to just talk about my mom the rest of the way to Orlando, just bullshitting with her. So I got to Orlando, um, stayed there. I guess I drove through like Universal City, which people say is a better amusement park than Disney World. If you're looking at it straight from an amusement park standpoint, beats the hell out of me. I've been to Disney World for Anna Marie's 30th birthday. Um, we went there and, uh, God, I can't believe it's been, uh, I'm not going to do the years thing just in case, uh. I know women are very careful with the, uh, the some women ladies are careful with the uh, age thing, so I'll respect that. I don't think my wife really cares, but either way, it's been a few years. And uh, and people say, oh, Universal Studios or whatever the hell it is are better. I think I drove through that, but stayed there, spent the night. And when I woke up, I was it felt like a hangover, like an intense hangover. And as you can imagine, it's not like I uh, had any drinks. And so... But then you only got two hours left to go from Orlando to Jupiter. And it's just like, all right, this is, it wasn't that bad. I don't know if I will do it on the way back. But the key is having things to listen to. If I didn't have things to listen to and I was just flipping through music constantly. Um, and then like trying to go like in aggressive speed, that would have made it miserable. But just kind of going, okay, this is what it is. I'm going to sit back and listen and listen to shows and interviews and people, you know, expressing thoughts and books. I just, I enjoy, I, I, I enjoyed that part of it. It wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. That's what I would, that's what I would drive home on the, on the whole thing. Um, so we get to Jupiter. Uh, my family arrives. My wife and my son arrive on, uh, on Sunday night. And, uh, and we're here, at least scheduled to be here through March 31st. I don't know if I'll be flying back and forth to St. Louis here and there. But um, it's just become something that we love and look forward to. And I uh, don't know how long we'll be able to do it for a wide variety of reasons. Who knows? At some point we may move here. Uh, that is not a reflection or rejection on St. Louis or of St. Louis. It's just we just love it. Um, and, um, and so, but, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I was going to get shoulder surgery, but it wasn't going to be able to happen until March. And so at that point I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just, just do it, uh, and do the spring training trip. And then we'll see what happens on, um, on the shoulder surgery. Hopefully I can get to like late September, October, get it done and then just deal with the sling and the rehab through the cold weather months. That's the thought process. I don't know if it'll work out that way, but I've hit some golf balls and it, while I can feel it, I know it's not getting worse. And so it's just something I just kind of live with. Um, and I know a number of you have had it because I know a number of you emailed me about it, but, um, you know, it's not rotator cuff. It's not my right arm. It's my left and I'm right-handed. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's not great, but at this point it's, I've had it for, for five months and I'm just kind of used to it. If I can play golf, um, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. So in Jupiter doing the show and, uh, something that, that I thought that I wanted to lead off with here, um, uh, cause it, it's kind of something we've been talking. There's two things that, that I feel like that, that are, that interest me way more than actually what's going on on the field. Um, it's two things that I have been big time wrong on, uh, will appear to at this moment appear to have been big time wrong on, um, with regard to kind of analyzing, um, you know, I guess with some form of foresight, uh, what was going to happen with a, the Cardinal off season and B, 
um, the uh, the Battlehawks. So with regard to the Cardinal offseason, I made a bet with uh, our board app on the radio show, The Plowboy, and I keep getting told a variety of different odds that I gave, either 10 to 1 or 3 to 1, but that the Cardinals would make a major move to upgrade the offense. It struck me as obvious. I think we might have my son making a debut on the podcast. I hear him I hear him running around out there, so this could be happening at any moment. I think my wife just put him in his room. Um, it just struck me as obvious. Like, I'll give you 10 to 1. I don't, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, you're just being banty and you're wrong, and so this is an easy bet. And again, as I sit here and record this on uh, the 12th of February, that has not happened. We have until opening day. Um, I'm truly surprised. I don't know if you could hear that. I'm looking at the levels to see if you could hear it. Um, that they haven't. And uh, then I made a bet with Jim Hayes, who uh, said that uh, he believed that the they would sell 25,000 tickets at least to the Battle Hawks' first game. And I just was like, oh my God, you're out of your fucking mind. What are you talking about? This was about a month and a half ago we made this bet. And I'm like, I'll bet you on that. You know, I like it. if somebody's going to make a take, give a take, back it up. So I just thought it was crazy, and I'm like, I'll bet you on that. Now, I don't remember what the terms on that one were either. I know it wasn't for like a large amount of money. I think it might have been 25 bucks, but whatever. The, it's not about the cash. It's about, you know, you want to you wanna make the bet? All right, let's, you know, back it up with, you know, conveying confidence with some dollars. And so let's start with the Cardinals thing. And this I read in um, Derek Gould's chat. And I just always recommend reading Derek Gould's chat. Question, I have to admit, I'm not very excited for the 2020 season. The offense will continue to struggle. The defense will still be good, but the back end of the rotation will regress. I understand it's easier to express concerns of the team via social media and chats like these, but do you get a sense that other fans feel the same lack of interest? And here's Derek Gould, who I just, I think he's so damn good. Um, And, you know, it really digs in on these things. And they go beyond, like, you know, talking about, you know, who's going to play left field. Uh, This is what he wrote in response. I don't know what to think, honestly. It shouldn't be a surprise that in a time of super divisive politics, we also have super divisive views just on anything. It has been difficult to compute some of the anger thrown at the Cardinals coming off a season when they did win the division, did reach the NLCS, and then went into an offensive vanishing act that left the lingering uh, smell of failure on their season. We know that Twitter veers to the negative, to the sensational, the anonymous. So does that speak for the fan base as a whole or just an angry cul-de-sac in the larger neighborhood? Does my inbox reflect the Cardinal Nation as a whole or only those motivated to write something because they're angry or critical? If you're content with something, rarely are you motivated to write something. Anger motivates on social media. Getting attention motivates. Being a contrarian can be a goal. Social media has a high decibel level for sure, but is it representative? And what to make of the growing anger and discontent with the Cardinals that does seem to be filling corners of Cardinal Nation when other teams, scouts on other teams, and baseball experts around the game actually see them as the leader to repeat as division champs. There is a huge disconnect, the largest I've seen, and it's possible some of that is my fault. Perhaps I could 
do a better job of explaining things. I have spent a lot of time this offseason thinking about that, about how to better articulate things to fans so that some of the messy, untrue, fictional storylines that persist are squashed before they can spread. I've never seen anything like this, and I don't know what to make of it, honestly. What a, I mean, just I just loved that answer. I loved that answer. It was a way of saying, I don't know, but going into detail as to why he didn't know. And also conveying the same level of confusion um, as the person who asked the question did. So it didn't dismiss it. I just thought it was a very introspective answer. Um, and it's kind of how, it's kind of how, in a, in a way, it's how I feel. Here is, you know, I've said it a few times on this podcast, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. My thought is this. They have accumulated so many contracts that if they could, at this moment, they would cut bait with them, that they're in a spot where they're backed into a corner. Fortunately, they're in a division where, unlike, say, if you were in the National League West um, or the American League East, or actually even the American League Central, um, that you feel like there, there are a variety of teams who could win this division. Um, I mean, the Yankees, for example, have a 101.5 over-under on Bovada for their win total. The Cardinals, for the record, is at 88.5. And honestly, that just strikes me as, at this moment, again, at this moment, aggressive. Uh, last year, I took the over on the Cardinals' win total. At this moment, with what we have to look at, because I think there's a chance it changes, um, I would take the under on that. I, 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 I wouldn't even hesitate, actually, to take the under on that. Um, and that's not because I'm like just everything is Cincinnati Reds now. It's just to win 90 games in a season, you got to be pretty damn good and also fortunate. And I just don't, I don't see that right now because of what people are talking about, which is the offense. And so, you know, Matt Carpenter made some comments to Rick Hummel on Monday, and it was in the Post-Dispatch yesterday, which was Tuesday the 11th. And he was making the observation as a player that, you know, because we, and he, this is Carpenter speaking, you know, didn't do well offensively against the Nationals, are we not supposed to celebrate, you know, the fact that we won a division in a playoff series last year? He goes, it just strikes me as really weird. That was, and I'm paraphrasing his words. And had the Cardinals, for example, look at the 2004 Cardinals, had the Cardinals um, made it uh, throughout the course of the season, and not as impactful as the 2004 Cardinals were offensively, because that's a once potentially once-in-a-lifetime offense, uh, and then all of the sudden not hit against the Nationals, which is kind of what happened with the Cardinals in, in the Red Sox, but that was more of a pitching issue than it was offense. They scored a hell of a lot of runs in game one of the World Series against the Red Sox, but the rest of the way, there just wasn't a whole lot going on. Then it's different. But the reality is the Cardinal offense was lackluster throughout the entire season and really minus a couple of innings of five games against the Braves. And that was with Marcelo Zuna, the cleanup hitter. So now that same group returns a year older, and nothing has been done to tend to it. And so that's, that's where I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss. And so my theory is, is that internally they know that it's, it's not going to be easy to be successful this year. But they're, what are they going to do? 
Somebody interested in Brett Cecil? Somebody interested in Matt Carpenter? Somebody interested in Dexter Fowler? Is somebody else interested in paying for Mike Leake? Um, I'm not sure if they could go back and do it, that they would sign Paul Goldschmidt to the extension they signed him to. Um, DeYoung was rough at the end of the year. I don't know that they necessarily regret that deal intensely, but uh, there's a lot of money that they knew they were stuck with coming into this offseason. And some of that will be going away. I don't know how much, but some of it will be going away after this year. And so I think the, for fans of the 2020 Cardinals, this is, of course, retroactive to knowing, which you don't know in the moment, that they're going to lose to the Nationals and lose in the fashion that they did. Where I mean, I guess, I, I guess like the bottom of the eighth, was fun at Bush Stadium for game two against the Nationals where you kind of started thinking maybe they were going to do something mainly because of Jose Martinez, who also is no longer with the team. Um, but other than that, I mean, a series that just was like, it bar- it didn't even happen. It was so damn quick and so not close um, that you lose players from that team and you don't do anything that the worst case scenario fans, the 2020 Cardinals was for the Cardinals to get to the NLCS because I think the organization then goes, oh, we have some equity now to kind of have a 2007-ish potentially kind of team. Um, and uh, and then also that they're, that they could sit there and go, well, I mean, we were a team that, we, that went to the NLCS and so we're just going to, you know, we're just going to wait this one out and and not do much in the offseason. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I truly – now, may, plenty of you might be going, well, yeah, of course they're not going to do anything. And, and But you also might be the people who say they haven't done anything the last few offseasons. And it's just factually inaccurate. Three years ago, it was Fowler and Cecil. You might not – well, you go, they fucking suck. And I go, well, I mean, you're welcome to that opinion, but – at the time, Fowler in particular, most people in a major way, big time overwhelmingly, at the time, loved the deal. Two years ago, uh, Ozuna. And then last offseason, Andrew Miller and Paul Goldschmidt. Those are real uh, and expensive acquisitions. So the whole thing about them not doing anything or just worried about leases at Ballpark Village or whatever, I just disagree with it. It's kind of like when I'm talking politics. Somebody goes down that road and go, well, they don't spend any money and build what's hoarding money. I go, ah, but they have. And that their spending is comparable to their revenue ranking. Now, what I continue to say is they spend it poorly. The talent evaluation is poor. Within the last, what, two years at spring training, Mercado, Voight, and Pham were on the roster. If those guys were on the roster right now, would you not feel better about the 2020 Cardinals? <laughs> I know I would. So it's a talent evaluation thing. It's a real issue. What was the, I mean, for real, the Matt Carpenter extension. That's a landmark moment. It really is. It's, it, and, it, and the thing is, you know, whereas some people now are kind of like, well, the Fowler deal, but at the time they liked the Fowler deal, the Carpenter thing was, at the moment, people were going, what in the world is this about? So I had somebody theorize here as I uh, go to one of the questions on the fan page, because um, a few of these are uh, Cardinal-related. I want to scroll down to it. Um, 
My theory for the Cardinals, this comes from Sam, uh, after listening to Mike Claiborne join you guys on Monday, is they know Mookie Betts has interest in St. Louis, so they don't want to add much salary this year so they can make a run at him next offseason. What are your thoughts? I honestly had never thought about that. I honestly hadn't. Um, I, 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 I also, I guess my immediate reaction is, oh, that's intriguing. I don't think that's a bad thought. And then my other is, it's kind of like uh, what Lucy with the football and Charlie Brown is to, you know, to not get caught up in it um, because you feel like you're going to get let down if that is what you want. But Mike Claiborne said something um, on our show on Monday, and he said, I know for a fact that Mookie Betts was interested in coming to St. Louis, and St. Louis was one of three teams he was willing to go to. Uh, not that he was necessarily able to call his shot per se, but that you know that that a deal could be made and not have a bunch of BS going on. Although when the Dodgers made the deal, there wound up being some BS going on, even though it wasn't anything that he really had to do with. So um, that was that was of note when Claiborne said that. So I think there could be something to be said for that. I don't know. Um, I actually thought they would acquire an outfielder because I wasn't thinking Arenado at the time, and I'm talking about the time of my bet with the Plowhawks, so like in October of 2019. I was thinking it would be an outfielder. Cleanup hitter, and I thought they would make a trade. I didn't think it would be Castellanos. Um, I didn't think it would be Donaldson. Um, and I didn't think they'd bring Ozuna back. I thought that they would trade for a cleanup hitting outfielder. That's what I thought. I actually thought Colton Wong was somebody in play to be traded. Just because I thought, and and not because I'm like, oh, they don't like him. I think they like him quite a bit. But just his value might never be higher than coming off the 2019 season. And so that would be the reason. Um, But obviously that did not happen. So um, this is, it's a weird spot, man, to have the fan base as, agitated as it is and the disconnect between the organization. And I also will say this. I imagine, I used to just take it as a given. I imagine John Mazalak will be on this podcast. Um, but we have always done two interviews in between the last Cardinal game and opening day. The last game, uh, the previous season and opening day of the next season. Done two right at the end of the season. And uh, right as he's getting ready to wrap it up from his office in Jupiter. And we haven't done one yet. So I don't know. And I just, and I noticed today at uh, Roger Dean, he did kind of a group press conference, which I guess he's done. And I know he's done, but I'm thinking it's been for injury reasons. So I just don't know. I, I'll, I'll just, I mean, why not? It's a podcast and I'm just bullshitting with you. I sometimes have wondered if there's still something going on and he just doesn't want to get in a spot where he's in a one-on-one where he knows he's going to kind of have, there's going to be follow-ups. Uh, he was asked if he would, you know, close the book on any acquisitions today. I think Rick Hummel asked that, and he said, never say never. I don't know, man. I don't know. My biggest thing is I look at it and I go, you have this pitching. You have this defense. Uh, you, you really are in a spot where you could, and you could win this division even without an acquisition. I just, you want to seize these moments. That's what I'm thinking. So, um, that's why it stands out to me. That's why I was really surprised that it did not happen. 
So I'm anxious to see what takes place here over the next six weeks at spring training, whether or not they would make a move. I think my son is crying, and I think he wants to come in here and see me, and so I'm going to uh, give a pause here on the podcast. say hello on the show? Yeah. All right, come on in here. Let's talk about it. I'm talking into this microphone. I'm doing my show. All right. Can you say hello? Hello. All right. And what would you like to talk about? Trucks. Trucks. And could you name a few trucks? Yeah. What are your uh, trucks you'd like to talk about today on your show? Ambulance. Ambulances. Any other trucks? Fire trucks. Oh, my God. We could talk for hours about fire trucks. Anything else? Delivery trucks. What? Delivery trucks. Delivery trucks. Nice. That would be a good topic. Hey, when you get up from your nap, you want to play baseball? Yeah. All right, we'll play baseball outside. It's got to be good for Mom, okay? Is that cool? Yeah. All right. I love you, bud. Can you say I love you, Dada? I love you, Dada. I love you, bud. Thanks for coming by the podcast. I always love talking trucks. And when you get up, we're going to go play baseball, okay? Yeah. All right. I love you. All right. Go be good with Mama, okay? And then when you get up, we're going to play baseball, all right? Deal? Is that deal? That is making a deal. Thanks, buddy. Deal with Mama? All right. I love you, bud. Thanks for coming by. Great discussion on ambulances. <laughs> there is uh, my son, Jameson, making an appearance on the podcast. He is... Uh, Really, at this point, uh, our radio show, I think it's his demographic, which is uh, two years old. So, um, yeah, so uh, from um, from hot take artist to father, back to hot take artist. There it is uh, here on questions from the audience where we discuss the Cardinals, uh, trucks, ambulances, uh, delivery trucks. Um, we, we, we really, uh, really cover it all. So, uh, with that said, let me go into some of the other questions here, if they're Cardinal-related. This offseason was pretty horrible for baseball. Cheating scandal. Declining attendance, but revenue is up through TV deals. Uh, Owners uh, abusing salary tax to avoid paying their best players. Uh, Service time manipulations. And finally... Uh, new postseason shenanigans being talked about. Seems like there is a divide between fans, owners, and players. What would you do to fix baseball? What could baseball draw from other professional sports leagues to improve the product? Maybe things like an NFL salary cap, NBA lottery, amnesty of bad contracts, etc. Curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, that comes from Chris, and that is on the fan page. Yeah, here is, I'm going to draw an analogy. Not this. This might be one that upsets people. I don't know. I feel like I'll tell you where this analogy is coming from, and it might upset people. I I don't know, but it's my honest thought on it. I'm driving through Atlanta, and as you drive through Atlanta, um, you see two baseball stadiums standing, and where one used to stand. And all of them have hosted Braves games within the last 24 years. Fulton County had its last game in 1996. Uh, Turner Field had its last game a couple of years ago, and now SunTrust Field. And the SunTrust Field uh, build was made in part because of traffic and that most of the fan base um, 
lived out in the suburbs away from downtown. And it was somewhat counterintuitive, somewhat, uh, for recent baseball stadiums to be built away from downtowns or city centers. And but when people kind of took a step back in Atlanta, which kind of was in the same spot as St. Louis about 40 years ago, and the cities have taken different paths, uh, they go, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to put it downtown. And the traffic is keeping people from coming to games. Let's build it, you know. God, I don't know, because it's so tough to tell how far it is apart. I feel like I saw SunTrust at, you know, maybe 45 minutes before I saw Turner Field. But they're both right off of the interstate. Um, one on your right if you're heading south, one on, on your left, Turner Field on your left if you're heading south. And, uh, and I can't remember, Fulton. I think Fulton County was on your right back in the day. So um, the, re- the reason that I say this is the following. Sometimes you just got to let it go. And maybe it turns around or maybe like the train, like the Xerox copier, it had its time, it was its time, but you can't force it to continue its time. And by that I mean ballparks and downtowns. And I'll tie that into St. Louis. If you want to focus on St. Louis, and some very intelligent and in-tune people believe St. Louis is either in the midst of a rebirth or on the verge of a rebirth, depending on what your perspective is. If you only focused on downtown, you oh my God, the city's dying. Like the Barstool guys when they were in town uh, for uh, Spit and Chicklets, which we talked about a little earlier, when they were in town for the All-Star game a few weeks ago. And they joked that it was like, I am legend in downtown St. Louis. Because it is, it is empty for the most part. And people are scared to go, a lot of people anyway, are scared to go downtown. But as far as startups and people starting to go, man, St. Louis is, you know, once they become aware of it, we had Anthony Bartlett on talking about that, uh, that there's a lot going for St. Louis. But if you focus on downtown, you go, oh my God, what's going on here? Well, the ship might have sailed on it. I live downtown. A decade ago, this time 10 years ago, I was living downtown, and I loved it. My wife, we loved it. Um, it was this few-year you know, few period of it was like this renaissance. But it just might not be there anymore. But that doesn't mean that, like, therefore, everything else is amiss. And so I tie that into baseball with this. You know, perhaps the game has... Uh, is now moved, you know, as far as attention. If you're talking about young people, most of the time their interest is going to be actually, I think, in soccer. And I'm not talking about just playing it, but international. Um, NBA, which I know is like a misnomer in St. Louis, but that's real. Uh, NFL, college football. You know, it's just, you know, it, it, it may have, it just, it just might be where it is. And so baseball is taught Rob Manfred, is talking about expanding the postseason to seven teams and making a TV show where the teams get to pick who they play and all of this stuff. And it's just like, oh. And why are they doing this? Because their TV deal's coming up with TBS and uh, at the end of 2021. And so they want to kind of lay things out for their, their negotiations. And I'm just like, all right, that's cool, but, you know, it's not going to fix your attendance problem. And... That's a real thing. All these sports have that. 
people are just kind of like, yeah, it's more convenient and enjoyable to just just watch it at home. Nothing you can do about it. It changes. Things change. I was watching highlights of great Cardinal moments because, as you heard when my son came in, he actually is really into baseball. And I'm candidly uh, surprised. Uh, it's I'm just not ever going to be the parent that's trying to uh, force him into liking the things that I like or whatever. If he's into golf or baseball or whatever, God bless if he's not, whatever. But he really does like baseball and um, likes watching, likes going out. And we have a, you know, where, we're, where we are in Florida, I have a little setup where he can hit off the tee and he loves doing it and all, all that. So it's it's fun. I'm, I love that he does love it. So I was just showing him some YouTube videos. And one of them, I think, was uh, Gibson striking out um, all the Detroit Tigers that he struck out in 68. And uh, and they cut to the crowd, uh, and they're all wearing, and this is eight years before I'm born, and they're all wearing uh, ties, you know, all wearing like white dress shirts and ties. And then it just changes. If, you, if those people came to the game now and saw the guy, you know, who's topless trying to start the wave, they'd be horrified, but things change. And so it just, it just, you know, it might just kind of be something that's changing and it isn't going to, we can try it, we can complain about it, I guess. I'm not saying that the person who wrote this is complaining about it. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes, you know, it might seem like something's going to last forever and it just might not. Or it'll still be around, it just might not be as popular. And that's cool. But don't fuck it up by trying to make it relevant with something that isn't that isn't going to make it relevant. And here's what I'm saying. The reality is the pace of the game of baseball is not the way most people in 2020 are wired to enjoy. It's just the way that it is. So unless you actually change the composition of the game, screwing around with the postseason structures, people are going, oh, you know what? I saw the Yankees choose to play the Twins, and that makes me think the Twins are going to be more into the series and have a better chance to win. Okay, what does that really do? And now seven teams from each league get in, so 14 teams get in, and the and baseball goes, well, you know, there's you know, a total of 16 teams get in in the NHL and NBA. Yeah, but they play half the amount of regular season games. So I don't know. And, hey, you know what? In St. Louis, you I mean, okay, we're talking about like, you know, an epicenter for baseball. And I realized that it was it's that weird schedule where you have a night game for game one of the NLCS and then a day game for game two. And if you lose that night game, uh, you know, it, it, it creates a little anxiety as opposed to enthusiasm for game two. But I'm sure the Cardinals are aware that the attendance is down. They announced the paid attendance, and then people take the screenshots and like, yeah, there weren't forty-two thousand people there. So, it you know, and and what people are saying about this team is, is there's nobody really exciting, and maybe that's real, or maybe it's just like maybe it's just not that exciting as a whole. So I don't know, but you know, you add in the elements of the cheating scandal, the declining attendance. Um, service time manipulations, and then this potential postseason thing? Yeah, I think it's an absolutely legitimate question um, that I uh, that I wonder about that I didn't see a decade ago. 2010 and the, over the last five years, absolutely see it. Absolutely see it. 
I mean, my interest level in watching regular season baseball. But I also think part of that is I'm a 43-year-old father. It's just a different point in my life. But I, I, I think this is going on in a lot of places. I don't think it's just like people who are parents. It's just not, you know. And when you see it in the postseason, that stands out. But again, was it because the team wasn't exciting or people just weren't on, in the game? And I, and I said this on the show this morning, the radio show. Of the of all the teams who've made it to the Cardinal postseason, the postseason this Cardinal team this past year, I think was the least um, talented. You know, that's the way I would I, I would uh, describe it. And I, I actually don't even know who would be second to last. This one strikes me as so obvious as the not least talented. That's a bad way to say it. The least good um, of them all. It just it just didn't have it. So it was stunning to me that they got past the Braves. I mean, I thought it was possible, but I would have made it the Braves like a 60-40 favorite. Um, and then you don't do anything this offseason? This is, this is something to keep an eye on. Not necessarily in the fun way, but kind of in a morbid way, what's going on with that. Um, all right, and then the other thing that I uh, wanted to talk about that I just absolutely misjudged. And, and I was saying this on the radio show. In the... Um, 20 years, I've, it'll be on March 22nd, it'll be 20 years since I got a job in St. Louis at KMOV as an anchor. Um, and I was saying this to Doug because I worked with Doug at KMOV. And, um, and I said, as far as surprises go, what has happened um, with the Battle Hawks? is, now this is of course to date. This is, you know, this isn't like we're talking about a... Uh, you know, monster sample size. But I mean, I just, I am, I am blown away by this. Blown away by it. And it is, at this moment, um, just my worst read of the market that I can remember. Uh, I jokingly said with, uh, with Doug and the Cat on the radio show, I said I was interviewing Bill DeWitt III a couple years ago. And, um, and, you know, apropos of nothing, he brought up the radio show and, you know, I was talking about how funny Doug is and how funny the cat is. And I said, oh, I noticed you didn't really mention anything about the the other guy on the show. And he was laughing and he goes, well, I'll tell you one thing. And you, you, you have a good gauge on what the people in the market care about. And I go, yeah, I like that. That's a nice compliment. Well, in this one, I was off. In way off. The Battle Hawks thing... Uh, I thought it was a joke when I would see like the caca thing on social media. I'm like, okay, I guess it's funny. I don't know. I mean, what if people are amused by it? Like, super cool. You know, whatever. God bless. Um, doesn't impact me negatively or positively. It's just kind of a thing. And and so when me and the cat had the bet on the twenty five thousand purchased tickets, I thought. What in the hell is he thinking? And he said, well, I just think so many people want to shove it up Stan Kroenke's ass that, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm sure there's some people, but like not enough to like buy, you know, $25,000 worth of tickets. And then what happens? Uh, they wind up, they wind up having this huge television rating, a 7.8. And they're looking at, you know, the, the, the ticket prices for their first home game are out of control. And there's talk about, you know, expectations of 
you know, the people petitioning to open up the upper bowl. I mean, just like, you got to be kidding me. And it's to be at the Dome to watch a game? God almighty. I'm just stunned. And I watched half of the game on Sunday against Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, right? And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know most of these guys. Oh, he played college. I remember him. Oh, he briefly was in the NFL. I remember him. Um, the game itself was, you know, whatever. It was just a, kind of a, you know, if it were an NFL game, I think we'd all be going, boy, that was boring as hell. But since it's an XFL game, it's a St. Louis team. We're talking about how great it was. Okay. I didn't see anything. What I liked, A, the thing I love the most is the enthusiasm locally for it. I also saw Houston had a big television rating for their game. Stunned me. Stunned me. Uh, Seattle's expecting a huge crowd for their game. Um, stunned me. But I liked the broadcast. Um, I liked getting, you know, the offensive coordinator and his call, and then Joey Galloway and Pat McAfee and Tom Hart on the broadcast talking about it. I liked the, I did like the pace of it. I mean, the NFL, it's a holding penalty every damn play, and it's a pass interference, you know, you're excited about a play, and oh, here comes the flag. That was noticeable. Um, That's noticeable. But, you know, I I don't know how much of this is. I like it because initially it was a joke, and now I'm like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, or I want to like it, so I'm going to say I like it. I don't know. But I just know that um, there are a lot of people who are into it, and that's great. And I'll tell you this, if I were in St. Louis... Just from an amusement standpoint, not because I'm like, man, I really hope the Battlehawks beat New York. I'd just be in a spot where I would go, yeah, let's go down there and have some beers and just watch this. And it'll be nice to see football at the Dome, even though it'll kind of be a little haunting that the entire Upper Bowl is not open and we know what used to happen here. Um, But okay, listen, I am thrilled and I hope it turns into something huge. I just did not, I just, I could not have been more wrong. And I am stunned how wrong I was. I am just absolutely stunned. So, you know, I've had some people say, I'm glad you found religion on the XFL. I don't know if I necessarily found religion. I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world, like some people reacting. But I'm happy that people have something, you know, and it's a boring time in sports, and it's football in St. Louis, and I hope it's incredibly successful, and I enjoy the broadcast, and I see that they're doing things differently than the first time around. But I'm more enamored with why it's as popular as the gambling element, the fact that it's February in St. Louis and it's kind of being honest, what the hell are you going to do, watch, on a Sunday afternoon. So those things, I get that, but I just didn't think it would have this kind of reaction. I mean, not even close. Not even close. I didn't expect that. Um, So do with it what you want. But uh, I was wrong, and I am thrilled that I was wrong. I am not thrilled at this moment on the, uh, on the cardinal element that I am going to lose that wager, at least as it stands right now. Um, so with that all set, let me go into the, uh, the email inbox because one of these is an XFL question. If the XFL still has strong ratings after week four, would you expect the NFL or some other entertainment group to try and buy the XFL? If this is successful, I would think the X- XFL would skyrocket in value. It's from the Hunchback of Vaughn Castle. Um, skyrocket in value, yes. Uh, the NFL buying it, no, I don't think so. Because uh, here's my reason. Now, maybe I'm off on this, but Vince McMahon has uh, more than enough money. And I think this was more about 
creating his own thing, showing he could do it right. And so he isn't going to look at it like as a startup, like, you know, me or some other guy who creates something and goes, all right, we created this. And two years later, we have, here's our exit and, you know, spun it up for whatever amount of money. And God bless, great, thrilled. I don't think that's what he's in it for. That's my thought process. I could be off. I, th- I, you know, Mike Claiborne was talking about it. This is something I thought when Mike Claiborne said on the radio was really interesting, actually, that it could be in a spot where great high school players who don't want to go to college go to the XFL. That's something to keep an eye on. That is something to keep an eye on. I've also, you know, we've talked about it being like a developmental league, but that is really interesting uh, and something to keep an eye on. Um, what else do we have? Tim, I've been told I'm a racist, xenophobe, sexist, amongst other things, asshole, included for voting for Trump in the last election. Is it greedy for me to vote for me? What I mean is I didn't go to the voting booth wondering how it would affect Tim or any one of the morning show or the rest of the United States. Um, yeah, I don't, I, did, I don't know what happened. I've been looking at the time this email was sent to me. It was Saturday night at 735, so you wouldn't think... Um, I, I don't know. Seem seem a little banty. Uh, yeah, you're welcome to vote for whoever you want to vote for. I, if anything, I, I feel like every episode of this podcast, I say uh, this notion that someone is a bigot if they voted for or plan to vote for Donald Trump is 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 ignorant as a bigoted statement would be to paint everyone with that brush. So that's uh, I don't know if I. I, I, I've never said uh, that. I don't think they're necessarily saying I said that, but I don't know what to say. But, um, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm doing this uh, recording uh, less than 24 hours after the um, Democratic primary in New Hampshire. I always like to kind of check where things are on the odds on Bovada and, uh, and see what's doing there and, um, and see how, uh, how things are shaking out. Bernie Sanders winning Pete Buttigieg with a with a legitimate finish. Amy Klobuchar, who I've said a few times here over the last couple of weeks, I I think there might be something going on with her uh, that she could become a factor. But Bovada updates these odds, and I always like to see. So the uh, Nevada Democratic Caucus winner, Bernie Sanders is minus 350. Pete Buttigieg is plus 400. Joe Biden plus 750. Amy Klobuchar plus 1,200. Tom Steyer plus 5,000. Elizabeth Warren is down to plus 10,000. Holy moly. Uh, the winner of the U.S. presidential election, Republican Party, minus 190. Democrat, plus 145. Donald Trump is now up to minus 185. That has grown substantially. Minus 185. Bernie Sanders is next, plus 350. Of note, Michael Bloomberg is next at plus 600. Been talking about the value on Michael Bloomberg. It's dwindling. The value is dwindling. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is at plus 1,200. Joe Biden is now up to plus 2,000. Amy Klobuchar, another value play, plus 3,300. Elizabeth Warren is now plus 5,000, which is equal with Hillary Clinton, who, as far as I know, is not, uh, is not running. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, plus 15,000. Um, Kanye West still holding steady at plus 100,000. This is all per Bovada. I say it every week, I, and I think I'm just going to do this every week, get questions on it. Um, so it leads me to the same thing, so I'll keep saying it. I have no idea. Here's what I'll tell you I would bet, 
if somebody's interested in this bet, I'll make it. It doesn't have to be for some huge amount of money. It can be like a little $20 bet. Um, I will bet this. I will bet Bernie Sanders is not the nominee. I will bet Bernie Sanders is not the nominee. And then I'll parlay that. So this isn't something I'm necessarily expecting to hit, but just for the purpose of it, that all hell breaks loose if Bernie Sanders is not the nominee. Um, but I just, but, this, but here's the thing. I don't know who I'm picking. I'm just, so by saying Bernie Sanders is not the nominee, I'm just saying that somehow it works out that he isn't the nominee. Um, I don't know who the alternative is, but I'm just saying that's where I would put a value play on. I think if if Sanders becomes the nominee, um, a number of people who were prepared to not vote for Donald Trump would either just not vote or vote for Donald Trump. Because even if people go, okay, there are some issues here, uh, they'd be like, I can't vote for a socialist. I can't do it. So, but he is, uh, he is now the, he is plus 110 to win the Democratic nomination. Bloomberg plus 250, Buttigieg plus 500. God, Hillary Clinton is more likely to win the Democratic nomination than Elizabeth Warren right now. Hillary Clinton's plus 2,000, Elizabeth Warren's plus 2,500. Uh, Michelle Obama is uh, plus 10,000, excuse me. Tom Steyer plus 15,000. So uh, you get that uh, idea of where this thing is. Um, all right. Let's see what else I got in the uh, QFTA. You know what? I'm going to cut it off there because it's right at an hour. I'm literally right at an hour, and I think that's a perfect way to go because I see with the next question from Timmy Recaps, who asks wonderful questions, um, but it did it, 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 it go too long, so I'm going to save it. I did see this. Tim, not a real in-depth question here. I'll answer this one. It's kind of a TMA-centric uh, is there a reason why you don't read e- email of the day when you're on remote or at the picnic table in Jupiter? Please don't take this as a veiled criticism. I'm honestly curious. If I recall correctly, seeing pictures on the fan page when you're on remote or at spring training, you have your MacBook set up, so I'd think you and Gangster Pete could figure out a system to relay them to you electronically. Uh, P.S. Really enjoying year 15 at the picnic table. That is from Micah. <clears throat> I appreciate it, Micah. Um, yeah, I... The, Reading off of my laptop at that time, which is 1050-ish Eastern, the sun is shining and it is tough to see. So to read like two lines for a text, it's easier, but to read a whole email, it's it's cluttered, it's tough to read, and so that's the reason. Can't print them out. So that's the reason. Plus, Brian Hoffman does a wonderful job. So, I mean, that's it, it's kind of like, uh, as I always say, when people ask why the cat's name is the cat, the story's boring. Well, there's there's the answer. It's boring, but now you have the answer. All right. Uh, Timmy Recaps, thank you for a wonderful question. We will save that for next week. Email in more questions. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Your questions, thank you to our sponsors. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Uh, Ryan Kelly, thank you to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Northwest, and... Thank you to Johnny, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit online at landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. For Gangster Pete, for Iggy, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music 
and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.